we are going to talk about the crisis in Yemen today. You know, I know everybody's hearing uh, a lot about Ukraine. I stand with Ukraine. People are flying Ukrainian flags everywhere. There's social media postings. Um, you know, you see bumper stickers everywhere. But what about Yemen? What about Syria? What about Iraq? What about Libya? There's way worse crises going on in the world. Oh, but those were perpetrated by the U.S., right? So I think that's why we can't talk about those. And another thing. What is going on, Jersey Worthy, my friend? What's going on, Jersey Worthy? Thanks for being with us. Uh, looks like my co-host might have dipped out. Not sure what's going on with that. But uh, let me pull up a couple articles here and uh, we'll jump right into it. Okay, so I've got an article for Forbes here. Yemen became the world's worst humanitarian crisis. Um, this is from April 5th of uh, 2018. And uh, let me pull up this article. Got a bunch of damn pop-ups. Of course, they want me to subscribe. I'm not subscribing, Forbes. No. Uh, so in early 2018, United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres reported that the Yemen crisis had become the world's worst humanitarian crisis. Approximately three quarters, equivalent to over 22 million of Yemen's population, were in dire need of humanitarian assistance and protection. Of the 22 million, 11.3 million are children. Yes, you heard that correctly. 11.3 million children. Nearly every child in Yemen is affected by the crisis. At the 2018 high-level pledging event in Geneva for the humanitarian crisis in Yemen, which was convened by the UN and governments of Sweden and Switzerland, Guterres outlined the needs of the Yemeni people in accordance with the 2018 humanitarian response plan for Yemen. Close to $3 billion is required to help more than 13 million people across Yemen. Guterres identified that about 18 million people in Yemen are food insecure, with the number having increased by a million since the conference in 2017. We can only guess what those numbers are today. This number includes, no Forbes, I don't want to subscribe, thank you very much. This number includes 8.4 million people who do not know how they will obtain their next meal. As a recent CNN article reported, both sides are using food as a weapon of war. Not only is food an issue, millions of people in Yemen do not even have access to safe drinking water. Last year alone, this resulted in over a million cases of diarrhea and cholera in December 2017, the International Committee of the Red Cross confirmed that over a million cases of cholera had been reported since spring 2017, making this the worst cholera outbreak in two decades. Children under the age of five accounted for a quarter of all reported cholera cases. The World Health Organization confirmed over 2,200 cholera-related deaths in statistics gathered to uh, December 7, 2017, the risk of another cholera epidemic remains high. In all, in all walks of life in Yemen, even treatable illnesses become a death sentence. According to Guterres, one child under the age of five dies of preventable causes every 10 minutes. Let that set in. 
one child under the age of five dies of preventable causes every 10 minutes. In the time it takes to read this article, a Yemeni child has died from an illness that would not result in fatalities in other countries. Children are the main victims of the Yemeni conflict and the humanitarian crisis. UNICEF reported that over 5,000 children were killed or injured, an average of five children every day since the escalation of hostilities in March 2015. That's right, since the escalation of hostilities. So we've reached the seven-year anniversary of the escalation of hostilities. How long has Ukraine been going on? A couple months? Over 1.8 million children are acutely malnourished. 400,000 of them are fighting for their lives, according to the January 2018 reporting of UNICEF. As confirmed by Guterres, nearly half of all children aged between six months and five years are chronically malnourished and suffer from stunting, which causes developmental delays and reduced ability to learn throughout their entire lives. Kind of reminds me of what's going on with the children right here in Flint, Michigan, huh? Lead poisoning. Yeah. Uh, the use of child soldiers is widespread. Many children are forced by the dire situation to support their families. Young girls are subjected to forced marriage. The most recent assessment suggests that over two-thirds of girls under the age of 18 are married, with a large percentage of them being under the age of 15. Over two million children do not attend school, as Edward Santiago from Save the Children concluded in early 2016. An entire generation of children, the future of Yemen, is being abandoned to their fate. Two years after that statement, the situation of children in Yemen has only deteriorated to the point that their future seems bleak. While the conference focused predominantly on the spiraling humanitarian crisis in Yemen, it cannot be forgotten that the conflict remains ongoing. Until it is concluded, there will be no sustainable so solution to this humanitarian crisis driven by conflict. The conflict began with the Houthis, a minority Shia group, which took over the US-backed government and capital very quickly. The conflict escalated to involve multiple actors and gave fertile ground for terror groups such as Al-Qaeda and Daesh to flourish in the re region. Civilians continue to be the indiscriminate victims of the ongoing conflict. They are subjected to indiscriminate attacks, bombing, snipers, unexploded ordnance, crossfire, kidnapping, rape, and arbitrary detention. Women and girls face sexual and gender-based violence. Guterres reported 30% a 30% increase in women and girls seeking assistance available to the victims of sexual and gender-based violence. While the ongoing conflict is not discussed at the 2018 high-level pledging event in Geneva for the humanitarian crisis in Yemen, it did advocate for an urgent cessation of hostilities and a political solution for Yemen. Two of the most generous donors, Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates, pledged $1 billion combined. This is a great support from the region. However, it cannot be forgotten that both countries continue to play a part in the conflict. Guterres repeatedly suggested that the military and humanitarian action should be kept separate. Should it? Question mark. 
Perhaps not in light of the evidence that only a few days ago, a Saudi-led airstrike killed several civilians, including children. Few could also forget that in late 2017, Saudi Arabia failed to fulfill its promise to reopen humanitarian aid corridors. Is it still charity then? This is an article from Forbes Online, April 5th, 2018. And um, the reason I'm reading this is because of all the virtue signaling going on around the Ukrainian crisis, right? I just saw something today that Russian tennis players are being banned from Wimbledon. Are you kidding me? So the level of indoctrination, programming, and brainwashing by the Western NATO states, basically, is is unbelievable. Not that I don't care, not that my heart doesn't go out for the people of, of Ukraine, but what about the people of Iraq? What about the people of Syria? of Libya, of Yemen. What about these people? Way more people suffering for way longer. Oh, that's right. But that was at the hands of the United States government. So that doesn't seem to matter. We've got a message here. Jersey worthy. Shout out to and another thing for doing this thing with the, with the great info as usual. Thank you, thank you, thank you, sir. We have another message, folks. This is from Shamara. Yes, uh, and don't forget people of Palestine too. Um, uh, thank you for having this show. Uh, we need more of this to make people aware, you know. And I agree completely. Um, what is somebody who is only crying is being born in a country and they get shunned from, uh, banned, uh, actually, from sporting events? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that wonderful message. Yeah, I, I did not mean to leave out the people of Palestine. Um, I heard our ex-president Jimmy Carter call Palestine an open-air prison and also an ongoing apartheid state. So we didn't stand for South Africa being an apartheid state. Why do we stand for Palestine being an apartheid state? Not a lot of people know this, but before Israel became Israel, its own state, there were many religions and many nationalities living in harmony with each other for many, many, many years. So it is just the power of the state that has corrupted this. And I forget who said it, but I, it's one of my favorite quotes. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. And that is absolutely what we're seeing. State corruption. Um yeah, and, and speaking of which, you know, this trickling into sports, how ridiculous is that? Apparently, the number two tennis player in the world is Russian, but he's not going to be able to perform at Wimbledon because what? Because of where he was born? That is some Nazi-type nationalistic bullshit, if you ask me. Has You know, he had nothing to do with the conflict. <clears throat> I don't believe he's even taken a political stand on it or spoken out at all about the situation. He's just trying to do him and play some tennis and he's banned from the biggest tennis competition in the world. This is crazy. We've got a couple more messages here. Jersey Worthy coming in hot. Also, everybody, uh, if you like this information, uh, please go check out uh, And Another Thing with Dave podcast. Uh, tons of uh, the a lot of, you know, tons of the same kind of great information on there as well. I personally listen to it on uh, the Apple podcast, but once again, ask, uh, you know, and another thing himself about other uh, uh, channels, right? Other platforms, but listen, and another thing with Dave, okay? Podcast, man, uh, uh, tune in. 
Thank you, Jersey Worthy, for the tag. Yeah, shame, a little shameless self-promotion. Please do check out my podcast if you like information like this. Uh, it's kind of what I dig my teeth into is underreported stories um, that you will never hear from what I call the lamestream media. My podcast, uh, and another thing with Dave, is available on 23 different platforms in 46 different countries. So you're, you know, whatever platform you listen to your podcasts on, I'm sure you can find it there. We've got a message from Fletch. Hey there, panel. Hey there, listeners. Do enjoy these talks. Always enjoy when you leave comments for whichever live you happen to be in. Uh, I agree with a lot of what you talk about. So uh, glad you made this talk because, again, a lot of people are pretending to care about what happens around in the world and what um, America's interventionism has done to the world. Uh, I'm glad that, that, you know, there's persons like yourselves who do like to talk about these things and be honest about what's really happening in the world in this country. Thank you so much, Fletch. Yeah, one of my uh, longest time friends used to say, why do you hate America so much? Just because I focus on what needs change, right? Um, the Easter Bunny doesn't need help. The Easter Bunny is doing just fine, right? Good things don't need our attention. They're, they're good. What needs our attention are the wrongs in the world, the problems that need fixing. So um, that's where I tend to focus my attention things that we might be able to do something about to improve, even if it's just talking to another person. I know talking about it makes me feel a little bit better myself. It, it, you know, it's easy to feel overwhelmed and helpless. What can I do? I'm just one person. Well, maybe me talking about this will trigger somebody to do some, some research and to learn uh, about all these crises going on that far exceed what's going on in Ukraine. Once again, I'm not talking smack about Ukraine. I, I'm pro-peace, I'm anti-war in any situation. I love all people. I feel for the innocent people that are dying on both sides of that conflict in Ukraine. Um, but what gets me is the virtue signaling. These people, like I said before, with the bumper stickers and with the flags on their front porch, you know, this is only, this crisis is two months old the Yemeni crisis is over seven years old. I've never seen a Yemeni flag or a bumper sticker. I haven't. You don't hear about it in the news. So that's why. Um, and, I, and I'm an anti-imperialist. I don't believe imperialism is good. I believe we need a change in the world dynamics and in the world power structure. And it's coming, whether we like it or not. China, India, and Russia, and Indonesia have formed an alliance called the Sides. It's a military and trade alliance. And um, yeah, they're pretty much going to put an end to uh, U.S. world hegemony. You know, we, we could have been on the forefront of that change, but the powers that be, um, the neocons and the people behind the New World Order on our side, the George Bushes of the world, seem hell-bent on an imperialistic strong hand rule well that only works for so long you know the one percent can only control the 99 for so long right um so let me get into another little bit here this is from the world health organization world health organization website overview after more than five years of continuous conflict, Yemen's health system is on the brink of collapse. More than 17.9 million people out of the total population of 30 million 
were in need of health care services in 2020, and this number is likely to increase in 2021. Only 50% of health facilities are fully functioning, and those that remain open lack qualified health staff, basic medicines, med medical equipment like masks and gloves, and oxygen and other essential supplies. The World Health Organization works alongside health authorities and other partners to support primary healthcare services in priority districts. This support has enabled more people to access healthcare, including vulnerable people in remote areas. Without this, many people would have, would have to travel several hours to reach their closest facility. World Health Organization continues to support health authorities in responding to the ongoing cholera outbreak, including case management, surveillance and laboratory investigations, vaccination campaign planning, water sanitation, and hygiene and risk communication. We, also, we are also supporting routine and specialized vaccination campaigns to protect children under one year of age from life-threatening diseases, including diphtheria, cholera, and polio. So that's the World Health Organization kind of tooting their own horn of like well, what they're doing, right? But, you know, who's the largest donor to the World Health Organization? Oh, the United States is, right? Well, how much money are we giving to the World Health Organization? I know we just gave $13 billion in military aid to Ukraine, and that's military aid, right? I'm, I'm sure most of you have seen the uh, videos of crates of weapons on the streets in Ukraine with people just walking up. Any old person could just walk up and grab a military rifle, right? What could go wrong? <laughs> what could go wrong? Where are all those weapons going to be in 10 years? Whose hands will they be in? Will they do a mass recall of the weapons? Or will those just find their ways into uh, extremist groups? Right? Like, uh, let me remind you all that uh, how ISIS was created. ISIS was actually created by with, um, well, they were armed with the weapons that the U.S. military left in Iraq when we departed. The U.S. military's official explanation on that was that it would cost too much to ship the weapons home. So, well, we just left them there. And, you know, why not leave the keys in them? Oh, my God, right? So it seems that that was um, planned. Right. Like the CIA's oldest trick in the book is create a crisis, offer the solution. So that seems like exactly what happened over in Iraq. Let's leave a bunch of weapons, a bunch of vehicles with the keys in them and the bullets right there. And then, oh, my God, look, this this quote unquote terrorist group rose up. Now we got to go over there and fight them. Oh, create the crisis, offer the solution. If you know, if it was, in fact, too expensive to ship the weapons home, which seems weird to me because we had no problem shipping them over there. If they if it was that if that argument was legitimate, why wouldn't they have put the all the weapons and vehicles in one giant pile and dropped a bomb on them, rendering them useless to anybody? Oh, because then ISIS wouldn't have rose up and given us an excuse to invade Syria. Right. So it all makes sense. It's all connected. And, uh, you know, as we were supporting ISIS, to fight against the ISIS and Al Qaeda, right? All of a sudden, how quickly, what, what a difference a day makes, how quickly we flip, right? So ISIS and Al Qaeda are enemy number one, but then as soon as we wanna overthrow the Assad regime in Syria, oh, now we gotta work with these 
you know, uh, fringe groups is what, you know, Obama and Hillary Clinton were calling them. No, well, 10 minutes ago, they were terrorist groups, right? So we were working with ISIS and Al-Qaeda to fight against the Assad regime. And it's funny how I was just listening to Lee Camp. If you don't listen to him, check him out on YouTube. He's got a uh, podcast, Moment of Clarity. He's brilliant. And he was just saying, it's really funny how when we hate a government, we call it a regime, right? But you didn't, we didn't call the Bush administration a regime, right? It's the Biden administration. And if it's a, you know, a foreign leader that we like, we call him a prime minister, right? But then you just notice the language, notice the rhetoric. Anytime they're trying to ramp up your hate for somebody that you've never heard of before, it's a regime that we need to overthrow for the people, right? Well, let's look at the people. Iraq, how did that work out? We killed between 500,000 and a million people. We'll never really know how many, but they have an epidemic of birth defects now because of the depleted uranium ammunition that we used over there. You can see this on YouTube. It's absolutely heartbreaking. Um, children born with horrific defects, horrific. It, it, uh, it made me cry. It was brutal. Yem um, Libya was the, about the most developed country in Africa. And uh, we bombed them back to the Stone Age. You know, I've heard there are open slave markets over there now or, or were. So, you know, went from, uh, from a very progressive country. And whatever, whatever you think about Gaddafi, that's neither here nor there. The average person was doing pretty well in Libya. They, they got a monthly check from oil revenue. Women could go to school. Women had all the rights of men do um did and he was developing what's called the gold dinar right and he was going to start trading oil in gold oh well we didn't like that and as hillary clinton say we came we saw he died or whatever the hell that warmonger said but it was brutal so it was a plan i've got to think there's a larger plan going on with ukraine i don't know what that is but the western media is rallying us, rallying us, right? Like they want us to send troops, right? They want us to condone sending US or British troops. That's my gut on this. And it's just so transparent because there's so many worse tragedies going on in the world simultaneously. I mean, for fuck's sake, look right here. We don't have to look further than the United States, right here in our borders. We have an epidemic of homelessness Flint, Michigan still doesn't have drinkable water. Um, our infrastructure is crumbling and in complete disrepair. Yet we have, you know, I, I did a little bit of research about the Libya thing. As soon as I heard, excuse me, about the Ukraine thing, as soon as I heard we sent 13 billion of aid to Ukraine, I, I, I Googled, you know, how much aid do we send around the world? Well, in 2021, we sent out $122 billion worth of aid to foreign countries, most of it military aid. So not really going to build water purification plants, sewage treatment plants, but, you know, weapons of death and destruction. We got a message. Fletch. Um, also, a quick question that came to mind, because there was another live you were in, and you threw out some folks that I listened to as well on, uh, on YouTube. Do you remember the same progressive? It was this nurse. 
And the reason I thought about it is because I agree with you, and, and she would say this as well, that part of the way that we're going to heal ourselves and help ourselves and move forward to taking actual um, uh, political action is we have to fix our minds first. Like, if we don't get our minds together and our mindsets about how we should treat each other in this country, we can't actually have our bodies take action. But uh, it did cross my mind if you had heard of the same progressive. Again, she used to be this nurse on YouTube. Um, but then she kind of um, conveniently disappeared after, <laughs> off of off of YouTube, probably saying things that she shouldn't have, but were probably the truth. Um, but yeah, same progressive. I just wrote that down. Thank you, uh, Fletch, for that. I love uh, checking out new sources of information. I will look her up. The same progressive. We are in a sad time right now of censorship in the U.S. in Western media in general, though. Um, the person I was referring to earlier, Lee Camp. He had a show on Russia Today on RT America, and that show was pulled, you know, along with every other show when when RT America went down. Uh, so did his show. So did Chris Hedges, Pulitzer Prize winning journalist. He had a show on RT America. Um, as a matter of fact, all of his videos, six years worth of videos have been taken down from YouTube. Uh, so he's working on trying to post those in different places. Um, I recently had a video pulled from YouTube and um, it, it said for medical disinformation, the title of my video was the, uh, the dystopian reality in the United States today. And I wasn't referring to the Corona vaccine, the COVID vaccine at all. I was referring to a report I read that a uh, Gates Foundation vaccine had sterilized women in Africa. Well, they didn't like that. My video got taken down. So I should probably make a little note so I can delete that from this podcast. So this podcast doesn't get taken down. Um, but I just wanted to share that with you because we are living in a crazy time where you have to really scrutinize what you talk about. You know, we're told we live in a free country, but it, it is really, really, really far from that. And Fletch, what you, what you were saying about having to get our minds right, I couldn't agree more. And there's so much division being sown right now. You know, um, are you pro-vax? Are you anti-vax? Are you pro-Ukraine? Are you, you know, anti, you know, are you pro-Putin? Are you a Putin apologist, right? There's, there's all these little boxes. Are you a Democrat? Are you a Republican? There's all these little boxes that people can try to put you in that our media and our government ultimately is trying to put you in so that then we form, we sow lines of division, right? Because an educated united populace is a tyrannical government's worst nightmare. So, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a third party guy. I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. I'm registered with the People's Party. We don't take corporate money. I uh, would urge everybody to look into it. And if you know somebody that would be a stand-up politician, you can actually nominate them for a seat in the People's Party. It's a groundbreaking organization. It's run by Nick Brenna. He uh, ran the Bernie Sanders campaign. And of course, he's, you know, somebody tried to smear him with a hashtag Me Too thing to discredit the whole movement. Um, but you can hear him speak about that on the Jimmy Dore show. And he assured us that that is a completely baseless claim. Um, they also tried to smear him for having his father be the treasurer of the People's Party. Well, he said point blank, who can I trust more than my own father? Makes sense to me, right? So, it, you know, it's not like they're getting rich over there. 
<laughs> so it's not nepotism. If you want to talk about nepotism, we don't need to look any further than than uh, the Hunter Biden laptop, right? Unbelievable. But yeah, let me hear some more messages. What do you people think? What do you want to hear about? Um, I was going to have a guest on this show. I guess he was having trouble connecting and then he just kind of disappeared. So um, I didn't plan on this being a monologue. <laughs> But, um, you know, I've never been accused of not having something to say, so uh, I can uh, I can continue on for a little bit. Maybe I'll try to pull up another uh, resource on Yemen. Let's see what else we have. Yemen crisis explained. Let's see. Here's a little breakdown. The UN estimated that by the end of 2021, the conflict in Yemen would have caused over 377,000 deaths, with 60% of them being the result of hunger, lack of health care, and unsafe water. It says more than 10,200 children are known to have been killed or wounded as a direct result of fighting. So, you know, once again, back to the I stand with Ukraine virtue signaling bullshit. Do you stand with Ukraine or do you stand for human rights and the, the right for all people to live a dignified life in peace? Um, that's where I draw the line. I don't stand with any government. I stand with people. And let's let's look at the I'm going to look into the U.S. military aid package that we gave Saudi Arabia, which is which are the weapons that are being used against the Yemenis. We've got a uh, Yemeni, excuse me, I was co corrected and I said that wrong the other day and somebody shredded me for it. So the Yemeni people, excuse me, 